Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. I am so excited because today I have a special guest with me. I have Andy Grange. Andy is a registered dietitian and has been working in the field for over 10 years, which is pretty cool. She has overcome her own struggles with an eating disorder and actually now works closely with her clients to help them to find food freedom and just create those healthy habits that will actually last for them in their lives, which is incredible. So welcome, Andy, to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you today. Yeah, I think it's going to be so powerful. Did you want to start off with just telling us about yourself, your own health journey that you've been on? What got you to where you are today? Yeah, of course. So I, as you mentioned, did struggle with my own eating disorder. Um, In college, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa and struggled for many years. Luckily, I was able to get help through seeing a dietitian and a therapist and obviously did a lot of internal work. Um, And it took quite a while, but years and years of working on it, I finally was able to overcome that. And I noticed that even after I overcame and was like, quote unquote, recovered, I still struggled a lot with food rules and body image and just really struggling with my relationship with food. And so that's when I really learned about intuitive eating, I read the book, and I got I did a lot of research got some more help with kind of learning how to become an intuitive eater. Um, and decided to become a dietitian because I wanted to help other women who also struggled with their relationship with food, learn how to overcome that. So as you mentioned, I've been a dietitian for about um, 10 years, 11 years now, and have created my own program where I help women, like you said, you know, just learn how to overcome disordered eating and create those healthy habits that are actually going to be sustainable long term. And I think it's really awesome to be able to work with women when I've been in their shoes, and I know exactly how they feel. And I can honestly relate and be like, I get it. I've been there. This is what I did. And you know, help them through that. Yeah, 100%. I think like it's such such a unique journey and everyone's experience is going to be so different. But having somebody that has that level of understanding can just help support them through their journey that they do have to go on. And there's definitely becoming more and more awareness about the not even eating disorder specifically, but even just like the disordered eating behaviors and patterns that can play out in different people. Because I think there's been this misconception almost of you have to look a certain way or you have to be doing things to a very extreme level to be diagnosed or to have a label, but it's just not the case at all. Like anyone, and I know that when I went through my own disordered eating behaviors, like on the outside, I don't honestly think that unless you were like close to me and I had actually shared it with you, nobody else would have any idea. Yet behind closed doors, it was something I was struggling with and battling with every single day. And so I think like it's so powerful that we get to voice this and just remove a lot of these labels that are put around eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. Yeah, I think it's so cool because like you said, you know, so many women don't think that they deserve help or that they Mm -hmm. need help because they're not quote unquote bad enough. Um, And so to be able to work with women, I work with women, you know, in all different sizes and shapes of bodies with all sorts of different behaviors. Some people are restricting a little too much, some people or a lot, some people are, you know, eat overeating or binging. 
So realizing that it can look a lot of different ways, but at the core of it, you know, we all have the same issue of just needing to really heal our relationship with and our mindset around food. Yeah, 100%. And we definitely live in a world where diet culture is so there in our face. And we almost have this belief that 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 is it, right? Like that's the be all and end all. And for a lot of women and even a lot of the applications that I get coming through from women, the reoccurring theme is, I don't want to be thinking about food all the time anymore. Like I don't want it to have this control of my life. I feel like it's impacting every other area. And I think it's so important that you, everyone listening to this knows that there actually is a point that you can get to, even if you might not feel like you can see that point now, there is that point where you can get to where food isn't on your mind 24 seven, where it isn't dictating and controlling every aspect of your life. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I'm always telling women, you know, if you feel like you're thinking about food all the time, like it doesn't have to be that way. That's, it's common, but it's not normal, right? Like a lot of people deal with that, but you don't have to. And so to feel like you can't just live your life and go out to dinner without stress or, you know, eat oatmeal for breakfast without stress, like you should be able to do those things and not have it affect your life in a negative way. Mm, Absolutely. So when we talk about things like dieting, obviously we know that it can lead to restrictive eating. We know that it can lead to food obsessions, things like that. Like, I think there's a lot of mental consequences that we can see from dieting that are spoken about. I guess the, all the other health consequences are not spoken about very openly or freely. And I think because diet culture does a very, very good job at masking it, hiding it, but what are some of the health consequences that can come from just constantly dieting? Yeah, there are honestly so many. So like you said, we so often focus on the mental and there are so, so many mental things that happen when we diet, but physically there's a lot of negative things that happen to our bodies. One of the biggest is it just decreases our metabolism, right? Which is why it sets us up for weight gain in the long run. So decreasing our metabolism, our energy, so many women that I work with are just tired all the time. They're fatigued. They don't know why they don't have any energy. And it's probably because they're not eating enough calories or enough carbs. It also messes with our hormones, especially our hunger and fullness hormones. So again, just making it so we feel hungry all the time. That's not a lack of willpower. That's actually dieting. That's messing with our hormones. And then, you know, obviously as it becomes more extreme, if we have, if we're doing more restricting, there can be issues like, you know, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, which can lead to a whole assortment of issues. Sometimes people will notice like hair thinning their, you know, their hair falling out or bones, our bones can be so affected like osteoporosis, osteopenia. So there's so many negative effects um, that happen when we're not eating enough calories. And I think that's the biggest thing is we look, we so often look at food as the enemy when really food is the thing that's keeping us alive. Like food is our friend. It's a good thing. And we need to change our perspective from thinking food is the enemy to realizing food is a blessing in our lives. And it's literally what keeps us alive. Yeah, absolutely. Food isn't just this, oh, it's nice to have. Food is literally a fundamental basic requirement of human needs. Like, yeah, right, it's keeping us alive. And there's a reason why 95% of diets fail. It's just that, like, they they do, they set you up to come back. That weight cycling that your body goes through of gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight is so detrimental to your health. And so so often we think in the the short term of well i just want to lose x amount in as quick as like possible shortest amount of time yet you're literally setting yourself up for long-term health consequences for that weight coming back on and i know that when i worked at weight watchers when i first became a, a nutritionist 
very, very interesting culture and stuff. But um, what I saw time and time and time again was the weight just rebounding and the women coming back again. And I know that we're about to talk about diet cultural red flags, but I know in that situation, one of the biggest red flags I saw is that if a diet tries to get you to be a lifetime member and you have to be a member of that forever, like it's like, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because like, ideally, if it was to work, you should be able to do it once. You should be able to lose the weight. And then you should just be able to live the rest of your life, not giving it a second thought again. The fact that you have to keep coming back, that you have to be a lifetime member and re-signing means that it doesn't work and that it is designed to get you to fail so that they can continue to make as much money as they're making. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how all diets are set up, right? Even the ones that promise to be a quick fix, people go back over and over. And I always say, if there was a diet that worked, we would all, nobody would struggle with their weight. We, you know, we'd all be fixed, quote unquote fixed, and we'd just be able to move on with our lives. There is a reason that diets fail because the diet industry wants to keep us coming back over and over, whether it's the same diet that we continue or just trying a new diet every month or every year. So yeah, it's, they're literally set up to fail. Hundred percent. And so, let's say somebody is looking at doing a new health journey, and they are on the search and on the hunt. Now, I feel like diet culture is starting to get quite sneaky and masked with their wording and things that they're using, and it's not as easy to pinpoint. Okay, this is actually a diet that might set me up and be really restrictive, or might set me up for failure. I mean, what are some signs that people can look out for? What are some red flags of okay, this is a restrictive diet or something that maybe you should steer clear of, and this is something that might actually be a sustainable journey for you to go on? Yeah, great question. So a few things that I always say to look for is number one, if it promises a quick fix, right? Anything like lose 20 pounds in two weeks or, you know, something that seems too good to be true, something that seems unrealistic, it probably is unrealistic. So anything that promises like very fast results in a short amount of time is typically a red flag. Another thing is if it has you cut out any food groups, right? For other, other than like medical reasons, we really don't need to cut out any food groups. So if it's, you know, no carb or low fat or, you know, no bread or whatever, if it's anything extreme where you're cutting out a food or a food group, that's another red flag. Um, and then anything, like you said, that's, you know, long, like if you have to be become a lifetime member, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. that's another red flag because obviously they want to keep you stuck in that cycle. Um, And then I just had one other one and it just left me. What was it? Um, I was thinking, so quick fixes, anything that seems unrealistic, um, the lifetime member, and then cutting out any food groups. I think those are all really big red flags. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's important that you think about, okay, if how you are eating now, can you eat like this for the rest of your life? Because let's say you have gone on, I don't know, random example, keto diet, and they're like, okay, cut out carbohydrates. And you're like, okay, great. I could do this for a few months. Mm-hmm. But then if you go back to doing exactly what you're doing before you started the diet, you're going to go back to exactly where you were before you started it as well. Like it's just, it's actually not sustainable or maintainable. And that type of let's start this, let's stop that, let's start this, let's stop that. Yes, we spoke about the consequences for your health physically, but the mental exhaustion that that puts on you as well is like, I'm tired, but I don't like, don't want to keep chopping and changing and it dictating, controlling every aspect of your life. 
Yeah. And so often we blame ourselves, right? It's our lack of willpower. It's our lack of control. And so we're constantly, and diet culture is blaming us, right? Like we always think it is our fault that we can't stick to our diet. When in reality, like you said, 95% of diets fail because diets literally set us up to overeat, to binge, to gain the weight back. And so it's not our fault. It's the fact that diets are set up to fail, but we blame ourselves, right? We think it's our fault. And I talk to women in my, you know, DMS every day on Instagram and social media that are like, I just don't have any willpower. I just need to get it together. I need to get in control. And I'm like, no, stop blaming yourself. It's the fact that you're doing all these unrealistic diets that nobody can maintain long-term, right? Like we're all, even when I was restricting severely and had an eating disorder, I would have occasional binges where I just felt totally out of control. Like we can only restrict so much before Mm -hmm. it comes to a head. And that's true for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you needed more willpower, you needed more control, then you wouldn't have willpower or control in any other area of your life either, right? Like you get up, you go, you show up at work every day, like you have control to do all these other things that you were doing. So at the end of the day, that's actually not what's lacking at all. But you're right, they they definitely make you feel that way. And that's where we get to change the way that you view yourself, you view food, literally retrain the way that your brain works. If somebody is thinking that maybe they do have an unhealthy relationship with food, but aren't sure, what are some of the signs that they could look out for that would indicate that they don't have the best relationship with food at the moment? Yeah, it's funny because I just did a reel on this not too long ago on social media. Um, Yeah, so you can look there. But things like if we talked about this one, but if you think about food all the time, like if you feel like you're just constantly thinking about food, that is a big red flag. If you feel like you have to stick to a certain eating red eating regimen and it stresses you out to go outside of that like if you you know can't let other people cook for you because you don't know exactly what's in it that's a big red flag you should be able to you know eat out or have people cook for you without stressing um if you feel like you have to track every single thing you eat and i would say that's also a diet red flag right if you have to track everything um that and and it stresses you out if you're not tracking then that's definitely a big red flag as well um another one is you know needing to weigh every day that shows that your your diet and your mindset is in the wrong place if you feel like you have to you know your whole day is controlled by that number so i mean there are a million more but those are some of the big ones i see often with people that I'm like, that maybe they don't realize, you know, they think that's normal. Like, oh, well, it's, you know, I'm just doing macros. I have to track everything. And then I have to weigh myself every day. And they look at that as normal. But then I have so many, it's funny because I have so many women do my program and they're like, I actually didn't think I had a bad relationship with food. I just started this program to get healthier. But then when they start diving into all these food rules and, you know, really overcoming those, they realize I actually have a terrible relationship with food. So like you said, diet culture can be really sneaky sometimes. And we think the things we're doing are normal. And then when we realize they're not all of a sudden we're like, Oh my gosh, my life can be so much better. And I can feel so much more free when I'm not constrained by all of these rules and restrictions. 100%. Absolutely. I even had a client once who she started that um, started with me and was like, okay, I, I actually let myself have any food, all foods. I don't have any kind of that mental restriction. 
the more that we peel back the layers, the more the mental restriction was there. It was things like she would cook for others, but not eat herself or bake a baked good, but not eat it. You know, she would dish out ice cream and, but she would eat from the tub, not from the bowl with it. Like it was just these tiny little things that the restriction was actually still playing out. But her, like the, the mind is so powerful and it will try and convince you otherwise. And I even remember on my journey, you know, I used to have it in my head of, well, I'm just trying to be super healthy because that's really respectful for my body and I'm doing what's best for me. So I'll eat before I go out for dinner with my friends or I'll, you know, have dessert and everyone else can enjoy it, but I'm all good. That's okay. I don't need it. And it's those tiny little things that my brain was like, no, this is right. You're doing the right thing for you. But really like that restriction would then lead me to binge when nobody else was around or feel out of control around other foods or do things in secret. And like, that isn't actually healthy. And it got like, it had to come that point where I had to wake up and be like, okay, well, what do I actually define as healthy? Because is letting food control my entire life healthy like is you skipping social things to exercise or you know eating before I go out with like is that my definition of healthy and the answer was no so that's when things had to change so I guess like if we were to, to flip it now if somebody is in their journey of healing their relationship with food finding food freedom what are some of the signs that they can look for that their relationship with food is actually healing Yeah. Awesome. I love this question. So one thing that I noticed that was huge for me is realizing that I could eat things that I used to restrict and I used to feel guilt about. And I, I had no emotional connection. Um, you know, I was able to like eat a donut without even thinking about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just ate that and enjoyed it. And it didn't stress me out. Another thing that, um, you know, is more to do with exercise than food, but obviously they're Mm -hmm. very related in this whole situation, um, is I used to think I was being so healthy when I would go on vacation and get up at, you know, 5am and exercise every day before we got started. And now realizing like I can sleep in and it doesn't stress me out and I can still eat the burger at lunch and not feel like I have to like run it off or exercise it off. Right. So I think when you start to realize that you can actually eat foods without stress, without guilt, but then another really cool thing that I notice in my clients all the time is they actually start to crave nutritious foods, right? Like my, I had a client the other day message me and she was like, I was craving kale. That is so weird. I've never in my (laughs) life craved kale. But when you actually start to put all foods on a neutral playing field, you know, and chocolate holds the same moral value as kale, sometimes you crave kale and sometimes you crave chocolate, but realizing you have a, a craving for all different kinds of foods, I think is a huge sign because you start to realize you're not putting these certain foods on a pedestal of, oh, they're so unhealthy. I can't have them you realize when you can have all foods, you start to crave all foods equally. And I think that's a big sign that you're really starting to heal your relationship with food. Yeah, I love it. Um, One that popped up for one of my clients the other day as well was just having something out of the packet and being able to put it back in the cupboard. It's like, okay, that's what I wanted. Honored it, ate it. Now moving on with the rest of the day. I think when you, as you go through the journey and, and obviously it's not an easy journey, like there are definitely hurdles, there's obstacles to overcome, of course, but you, and you probably even still to this day have moments where you're like, whoa, like I remember when that actually just used to throw an absolute curveball into my day and it would derail everything. And today I can sit here and, and have a box of cookies in front of me and eat what I want and put it away. Or I can go on holidays and sleep in rather than get up and exercise. And those small things are literally life changing because it means that you are actually living the life that you want to live and you're the one in complete control over that 
Yeah, honestly, so life-changing. And it's funny, one of the things that you just mentioned is like, I just went on a trip with my family a couple of weeks ago, and then I was in on a bachelorette trip in Nashville this past weekend. And both trips, we had like an entire table of treats, right? It was just like the treat table that we had with all the snacks that people could just go and get whenever they wanted. And I remember in the past, those situations, I would try not to eat them, try not to eat them, try not to eat them. And then eventually I would be like, oh, I just can't like have any more willpower. And I would go and I would binge something and I would feel so terrible. Um, I remember one specific trip where I ended up binging on jelly bellies till I was sick and I just felt horrible. I didn't even really like jelly bellies that much, but it's like, you know, those things. And these past couple of trips, just realizing like, A, I didn't crave those foods nearly as much. I was like, oh, maybe I'll have some, maybe I won't. But I wasn't like sitting there just eyeing the table, Mm. you know, trying not to eat them. And then when I did, I would have a few and I would feel satisfied, but like it didn't consume me. Knowing that food was there was not stressful at all. It was like, I'll have some when I want, but it doesn't really bother me to have it there or stress me out or make me feel out of control. And how cool, because then you actually get to be present in that moment, enjoying the time with the people rather than being so fixated on the food at hand. And I'm sure so many people listening to this episode can relate to when you go out for dinner with people when you don't have a good relationship with food you've spent the entire day trying to over control what food you're having before you go what food you order when you're there how what will you eat after what will you eat the day before what did you eat yesterday then you get to dinner and you can't even concentrate on the conversation at hand because you're probably so hungry and all you want to do is just like read the menu order what you want but in your mind your mind is tossing up between when i do this in like quotation marks what you should have and what you actually want to have and yeah. um, it's like it's just you're not present you're not there you're not creating the core memories your brain is on a completely different pathway. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Just the ability to be able to make memories and enjoy life and even just feel more confident. You know, I think we so often, and this is kind of going into body image for a second, but we so often think if we lose weight or when we lose weight, then we'll be confident in our bodies. And obviously, you know, that's not true. I know that's not true because I've seen it over and over and over. And I get messages all the time from my clients, just, you know, whether they've lost weight or not, that's not the focus, but they're so much more confident. I actually had a client send me a video and she was going down like this big water slide with some friends on this vacation. And she was like, I never get into a swimming suit. Like I'm always so embarrassed. And she was like, I'm so glad that I put on the swimming suit and I went down the slide. It was so fun because all of a sudden we're able to enjoy life instead of just focusing on our body and our food and constantly having that consume us. We're actually able to experience life and it's so much more enjoyable. Mm, I completely agree. And it's so cool that like that's the impact that you're having as well. I know that you spoke about one of the consequences that can come from constantly dying is a slowdown metabolism, which I think a lot of women experience. So what are like the steps that we actually have to go through to start to repair a metabolism if it has been damaged from constant dieting? Yeah. And that's something I see all the time. And women, I think a lot of times do worry that it's not fixable and it is, but it takes time, right? So The biggest thing um, that I kind of walk people through is first of all, just recognizing what your food rules are, because so often we don't really recognize them, you know, so we have to really figure out what food rules do I live by? I have people write them down and then start to break those food rules um, one by one. 
and really start to challenge their thoughts around those food rules. So they're kind of consciously breaking those rules and kind of pushing themselves out of their comfort zone at first. And then we work on really becoming like a mindful eater and really noticing hunger and fullness so that we can start focusing on how much are we eating and how much do we actually need to eat? Because, you know, obviously decreased metabolism usually comes from not eating enough. So often we're, you know, on really low calorie diets or we're not eating enough carbs or enough calories in general. So once we start to eat more, but we're not having those binging episodes, all of a sudden our body's able to kind of self-regulate and realize kind of come out of that conservation starvation mode and be like, Oh, okay. I'm all right. I don't need to conserve calories. I'm actually getting enough. So once we start, you know, breaking those food rules, really being a mindful eater, and then starting to add in some of that gentle nutrition, you know, how do I add in more fiber, more protein, more healthy fats, all of a sudden we notice that our metabolism starts to pick up and it does start to repair itself. And it does take some time, but really it's about becoming an intuitive eater, letting go of that restriction and letting our body start to heal itself through realizing it does have enough calories. It doesn't have to conserve. It doesn't have to be in this starvation mode anymore. Mm, So it's almost about your body relearning to trust you and trust that it's not going to be restricted to that point ever again. Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Putting, letting your body trust you while you learn to trust your body. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say like the respect has to go two ways, right? Like when you start to show up and respect your body, your body will start to respect you back in return as well. And like, you have to learn to work with your body rather than against it. And I'm sure that so many people give so much back to everyone else and they would never talk to their bodies or treat their body uh, anyone else's bodies the way that they treat theirs or talk to their own so it's about reprogramming your brain to start to give yourself that same level of acceptance and respect exactly and i i talk to my clients a lot about that you know we're so willing to trust so many other things over mm. our body we're willing to trust a coach who has no nutrition training you know a macro coach or something or we're willing to trust like an app that calculated you know my fitness pal or something or we're we're willing to trust all these different things, but really our bodies are so good at taking care of us if we let them, but we have to learn how to listen to them and how to trust them. Yes. I could not agree more. Now I would, I know intermittent fasting is one thing that is still thrown around so much. And it's one that I hear so often. What is the truth about intermittent fasting? Is it good? Is it like something (laughs) that people should be doing? Like what's the truth about it? Yeah, such a good question. And honestly, I've worked with quite a few women who have done intermittent fasting in the past, and almost all of them have found that they binge during their eating window, right? I like to call it like a controlled binge. Um, So not only does it promote binging, and I find that when people stop intermittent fasting and start eating breakfast and start eating lunch and starting eating dinner and, you know, having snacks, they are able, they actually often end up eating less because they're not all of a sudden binging between, you know, five and nine at night or whatever their eating window is. But also there have been a lot of studies that have shown that intermittent fasting specifically for women, um, has a lot of negative effects on our hormones and our fertility. Um, fertility is something I struggle with right now. So it's something I've, you know, done a lot of research on and I've looked into, and actually it can have a lot of negative effects on our hormones as women, because our body needs that constant nourishment, you know, and I always say we do intermittent fast. We all fast while we're sleeping for, you know, eight hours. We don't need to prolong that even longer. Um, so yeah, I definitely am not a fan of intermittent fasting for so many reasons. I've seen the negative effects it has on my clients. And then just in the research, we see that it really isn't, it doesn't have benefits. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you peel back the, the study that is out there on intermittent fasting, all the benefits that, all the so-called benefits from intermittent fasting, the studies, I think it's, I can't remember the statistic off the top of my head, like the exact one, but it was around like 90 to 95% of the studies are actually done on males. And this is because yes. males run on a 24 hour clock right like their bodies are so much easier to take the research and do the studies on whereas because females like we have give or take like our 30 day cycle 28 30 day cycle our hormones come into play obviously there's so many other factors that come into play when you are doing a study on women so a lot of them are done on on males which is where a lot of those health benefits come from and at the end of the day us as females we are males like our bodies literally yeah. function so <laughs> differently and it's so important that we take that into consideration yeah exactly and I've you know not to get stuck on fertility but I do work with so many women who have struggled with it and a lot of times they find that their body just wasn't getting enough calories not to say that that fixes everything it hasn't fixed it for me but you know so often just eating enough and you know like you said our our bodies are so different and they need nourishment in such a different way yeah, 100%. And also like your cortisol levels are the highest when you, which is your stress hormone when you wake up in the morning and then putting your body under that constant stress of then not having fuel and then going into the day of whatever that is like exercise or work or all of these things like you were just compounding the stress again and again and again. And that in itself impacts hormones so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we we are so stuck in this kind of like hustle lifestyle Mm -hmm. um, that I find, you know, we forget so often that stress management and sleep, getting enough sleep, things like that have such a big effect on not only our health, but our weight as well. You know, like we so often think we just have to exercise and eat right and it'll solve all our problems, but we're so stressed out and we're not getting enough sleep. And that's where the problem really lies most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Learning to work with your body is so important. If somebody is wanting, listening to this and like, okay, this sounds great. I want to experience the food freedom side of things, but the journey seems incredibly daunting, a little bit overwhelming. What would you say your top three tips are of where they can actually start to take back that control over food? Yeah. So one of the biggest things I think is, well, obviously, you know, starting to learn and research more about it from reputable sources. So there are a lot of podcasts that are great, um, you know, working with an intuitive eating dietitian. And there's a book that I'm sure a lot of people you've probably read called intuitive eating, you can get it pretty much anywhere. And that's a really good place to start if you're just wanting to kind of learn about it. And then as far as steps to actually take, I think, you know, it kind of comes back to what I was explaining before, but kind of just starting to get curious and really being aware of your thoughts around food, um, maybe journaling them out and just, you know, thinking, oh, I was really stressed about what to eat for breakfast today because I didn't want to have bread because I felt like that was bad for me, you know, and starting to realize like where those food rules are creeping into your life and making a list of those and then starting to challenge those, I think is one of the best ways to start is just recognizing what your food rules are and then starting to challenge them. 100%. I love how you mentioned staying curious about it all because I think going into this journey, it's so easy to go into a critical mindset of, oh, that's so frustrating. Why do I think like that? I wish that this wasn't a problem. I wish I was just on the other side. And if you can take a more compassionate approach to this and stay curious rather than critical of, okay, well, that's interesting that that food makes me feel a little bit anxious or interesting that I refuse to eat that. 
and you slowly work through it, I guarantee that the process is going to feel a lot more gentle. For sure. And I always tell, you know, even when I have clients that maybe have a bad day or a bad week and they're down on themselves, I always say, think about it as a learning experience, not as a failure, right? Like we're not going to be perfect in this journey. I'm still not perfect in this journey. I still have days where maybe I overeat or, you know, things happen, but instead of beating ourselves up about that, just realizing, okay, like what happened? Why did that happen? And what can I maybe try to do in the future to help myself not repeat that again? So, you know, that compassion piece is such a big piece. And I think we're so often so hard on ourselves, but no matter what journey we're in, what, even if we're not dieting anymore and we're trying to learn intuitive eating, it's still not going to be perfect overnight. It's still a learning process and something that we're going to have to learn step by step. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say your tips are for somebody who's wanting to create a balanced meal that obviously keeps them physically full, but also hits that level of mental satisfaction. Because I know through my journey, there were so many times that I was craving a burger, let's say, and I sat down to try and eat a salad and mental satisfaction was just absolutely not there. Yeah, completely. I've been there myself so many (laughs) times. And I think really figuring out, I always like to talk about nutrition by addition, right? So thinking, what do I really want right now? What am I really craving? And maybe that is a burger or maybe it's pizza or, you know, something that you feel like isn't healthy enough, quote unquote, healthy enough. Um, And so thinking about mentally, what do I want? And then kind of working backwards and thinking, well, how can I add nutrition to that? So say I do want pizza for dinner, but I feel like that's not super nutritious. Well, how can I add nutrition to it? Maybe I can add some chicken or some kind of meat to it to add some protein. Maybe I can add some vegetables to add some veggies to it. Maybe I can have a salad on the side. So instead of thinking about it in a way of restriction, which is usually the diet mentality, really thinking first, what do I want? What will satisfy my craving? And then thinking after that, you know, after we figure out what that is, what can I do to add nutrition to this? How can I add some fiber, some protein, some, you know, other like vitamins and minerals and kind of working at it from that perspective instead of a a perspective of needing to cut foods out. Mm, I love that. Love thinking of how you can add in because our brains don't process negatives very well anyway. So as soon as you tell yourself you can't have or you shouldn't do this or don't have that, all of a sudden that's literally all your brain is focused on. So, and I'm sure we can all relate how many times we've said, okay, as of Monday, no more sugar, can't eat the chocolate that's in the cupboard. And then all Monday, literally all your brain can think about is that exact block of chocolate that's sitting in that exact spot in the fridge or the cupboard. And you're like, I just want to go and eat that right now. So that's where like that addition removes any of that from happening in the first place. It's like, cool, I get to like add in. This is fun. This is exciting. Yeah, exactly. And you find that you do have so much more variety and you're able to, you know, just have that mental satisfaction. When you have that mental satisfaction, you actually find yourself not overeating, right? Because so often the reason that we're overeating is because we're not satisfying our craving. I always use the example of like somebody craving a cookie and they're like, oh, well, that's not healthy. I'm going to have, you know, some carrots and hummus and that doesn't satisfy their craving. And they're still craving that cookie, even if they're physically full. So then they're like, okay, well, I'll just have like a cookie dough flavored protein bar because that will kind of satisfy it. So they eat that. They're still craving the cookie. Eventually they're like, 
forget it. I can't do this. They eat the cookie and then they end up eating 10 cookies and promising themselves that they'll start over tomorrow. Whereas if they had just eaten the cookie in the first place, they probably would have been like, that was delicious. Move on with my day. You know, so we, we tend to actually eat more and overeat when we're restricting for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. What would you say is the most common myth or misconception that you do actually hear about food freedom or intuitive eating? Um, yeah, one thing that I get all the time from people when I ask if they know what intuitive eating is, is they think it's just eating whatever you want, whenever you want, you know, we just think, oh, you're just eating whatever you want, whenever you want, I'm gonna eat pizza and ice cream all day, every day. Um, and while mentally, that's kind of like, yeah, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. There's so much more to it about being mindful and about practicing gentle nutrition and about really getting in tune with your body, you know, could I eat pizza and ice cream all day, every day? Yes, but I know I wouldn't physically feel good. That wouldn't make me feel good, you know? So I think so often we simplify it into just eating when we're hungry, stopping when we're full, eating what we want whenever we want, but there's so much more that goes into it. Yeah, and just not, like you just don't overcomplicate anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Like when when you get to that point of having free freedom and intuitive eating you naturally gravitate towards choosing foods that just feel really good for your own individual body and 100 percent, i hear that as a misconception all the time of well if i don't have that high level of control over food i'm just going to be out of control over food mm-hmm. and sure whilst like you're working through the food rules or the fear foods and unlearning things some of the foods might be more desirable and you might eat more of that food for a period of time i know that when i reintroduced some of my fear foods back into my days like things like chocolate or cookies and had that unconditional you can have as much as you want at the start yes I did eat more but as like it became down off that pedestal or came down off the pedestal the desire wasn't there as much and it's like okay now I have a lolly jar that's been sitting in the cupboard for a week and I haven't reached for it I'll have one whenever I want one and you you end up then having the highest level of control Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I was just going to say is so often when we think that we're the most control around food, like we think we have so much willpower, that's actually when food is controlling us the most, you know? So really when we think we have control, we're out of control, but when we finally just learn to trust our bodies and try to give up that control, we actually start to feel in control. So it's like totally the reverse of what we think, but when we actually are like, I'm going to give up control, we start to feel very much in control. Yeah, and food gets to be a fun part of our lives. Like we definitely have a culture where food is used for celebrations, for bringing people together, for connection, for enjoyment, and it gets to be that. Like it doesn't have to be this stressful experience anymore. Yeah, and I think that's what we sometimes forget is food isn't just nourishment. It's okay to let food be fun. It's okay to have a piece of cake at the birthday party, even if you're not super hungry. It's okay to you know, have Thanksgiving dinner, it's okay to use food for celebration and for tradition. And, you know, food has more of a place in our life than just nutrition. And that's okay. Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. Now I have some quick fire questions for you, Andy. Are you ready for these? Yeah, Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) What is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? Oh, that's so good. I, for me, um, gratitude journaling. I didn't used to do that for many years, but I've started doing that every single day and it has changed my life. Just starting my day off on a positive note. I love it. What is one thing that everyone can do every day to improve their life? 
I think I would say doing some sort of self-care for five to 10 minutes, some sort of meditation, reading, take a bath, whatever it is for you, but just making sure that you're practicing self-care to manage your stress every day for at least five or 10 minutes. Yeah. Such, I think it's someone that can be so easily overlooked because we give back to so everybody else, so many other people Mm -hmm. and not back to ourselves. What is your favorite quote and why? Um, My favorite quote has always been comparison is the thief of joy because, you know, for me growing up, I always was comparing myself to everybody else. And when we do that, you know, it's just a constant, there's always going to be somebody prettier, smarter, funnier, you know, so comparing ourselves to other people is just always going to make us feel not enough. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you're the main character and director of your own life. So you get to show up with that main character energy and live it as if like you are the most important in it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, one question that I love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you are looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or something that you will be most proud of? And this could be something that you've already achieved, or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Yeah. um, Well, I'll give two. I'll give one that I have achieved and one that I haven't. Um, So looking back, I think one of the things that I have achieved is honestly just having the courage to start my business because it has helped change so many women's lives. And I never thought I'd be able to have that kind of impact. And so being able to see, you know, how I've impacted, you know, so many women's lives in such a positive way using my own experiences Mm -hmm. and struggles um, is so incredible. And I hope that that's something I'm remembered for. And then one thing that's kind of on a more personal, less business level, um, is, you know, I hope that one day I'm able to become a mother. That's some, a big goal of mine that I've been working on for a long time. And, you know, being able to, to raise a family and raise daughters that hopefully have that kind of confidence as well. Mm, changing the path forwards is so powerful and I guess the the cool thing is that that we get to have that impact on other people moving forwards mm-hmm. now as well obviously so many of us we developed our core beliefs around food from life experiences that we've had every role model in our life was probably trying to do the best with what they knew mm-hmm. and what they thought was yeah. right but there's obviously a huge movement now that at the end of the day, like not everything comes down to our body weight, shape or size, that there is something different to always being on a diet or restricting. And that's not how we have to live our lives anymore. So I think it's so powerful that we get to change that path forwards for future generation. And obviously you are having such a huge impact on so many incredible women and changing their lives as well, which is just beautiful. Did you want to tell the audience if you have anything coming up that's exciting for them and where the listeners can actually go to find you? Yeah. So, um, coming into the holidays, I do have a health, uh, thriving through the holidays guide that comes out every year during the holidays to so just really, cause I know that can be a really hard time for people. There's so much food, there's so much, you know, talk about food and, um, the new year's resolutions and all of that. So that's always a fun thing to kind of, you know, utilize throughout the holidays. Um, and then I always have my healthy habits coaching program that's open year round. Um, I have several start dates every month and that's, you know, really to help women overcome their unhealthy relationship with food and get to a good place. And, um, the biggest place that I'm at is on Instagram at dietitian with a T dot Andy. Um, so people can always reach out to me there, send me a message. I love chatting with people and just getting to know them, whether they end up being a client or not. I love just hearing people's stories. 
I love it. And I'll put all of the links to everything in the show notes below so that everybody has easy access to go and find you. And those guides and resources sound amazing. But thank you so much, Andy, for coming on and sharing everything that you have today. I know that there will be so many people walking away from today's episode feeling inspired to start their journey or motivated to keep going with their journey or just learning something that they they haven't ever heard of before. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to talk with you. I absolutely loved today's episode with Andy. I think it was such a powerful conversation. And I mean, this journey is such a powerful journey in itself as well. If you currently know somebody who is struggling with their relationship with food or themselves, I would love for you to send this episode to them. And hopefully we can start to help as many people as we can to heal their relationship with food, heal their relationship with themselves, find food freedom and just actually live the best life that they possibly can so yeah definitely share this podcast to anyone and everyone that you know that is experiencing this at the moment i love connecting with every single one of you over on my instagram which is kj wellness with three s's send me through a message because i love chatting i love just having those open conversations otherwise i will chat with you in the next episode very soon and until then you take care bye